Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I'm Dainty. And I'm Murphy Durfee. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. I'm sorry, Dainty, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying there? I don't know. I was laughing before we even started. That's okay. Uh, so uh, let me just go ahead and grab this box right here. Okay, so as you can see, this it's a plain box. There's no labels on it or anything like that. Now I'm going to. I'm trusting you. I'm not doing this. No labels because I can't no see labels. jack of what you're doing. It's it's just a black box here. Okay. Um, so what you're gonna do is I'm, I'm gonna open up the box and you're gonna tell me the smell that comes out of it. All right. And you you have to see if you can get the get it right. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here's the box. Okay. One, two, three. What is it? Oh God! It's a fart. Why? Why would you do this? You got it right. Why why would you box All a right, fart? Here's the next okay, now here's box number two. And Herf, I want you to do this one. So I'm holding this one up to, to your nose. Here we go. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, open. Oh, there's another fart in here. How many farts have you stored in boxes? Okay, that one is actually some some eggs from a couple weeks ago, but close enough, I'll give it to you anyways. Uh I don't know. I just thought maybe we could play a little bit of a Odor randomizer. Oh, no. oh my okay uh, all right uh, th- this is where i just like i'm just killing the recording and i'm i'm We're both walking out uh it's like all right it's been it's been a good year uh you guys take care all right and dante has left the call oh and he quit the discord and uh oh he just unfriended me on facebook as well uh dante's gone forever folks <laughs> i finally crossed the line uh the bit was too dumb and he's gone forever so, Herf, what, uh, do you want to smell another box? Uh, no, I think uh, I think I'm good on the boxes. Thanks. All right. Maybe we should just get into the news then. Mm-hmm. All right. So the headliner. Oh, there's Dante. Dante's back. What's up, Dante? Or maybe he's not. Oh, he left again. Never mind. <laughs> he, Dante's gone again. Uh, well, I guess let's just go ahead with the news and maybe he'll pop in with some uh, some some insights later on. Uh, so our headliner this time, we're going to talk about A Link to the Past Randomizer League Season 3, which is currently in its final four right now. Oh, hey, someone uh, talk got- about League? I guess it's time to... <laughs> there he is. All right. I knew that would work. All right. Um, so, uh, and I'm so glad you're here, Dante, because the very first thing I wanted to do uh, in this episode, after the Smelling Box game, of course, after Odor Randomizer, uh, was just brag on you, because I saw you play a couple times during the Division Finals against Error216. And my dude, you were phenomenal. And I know I say this all the time, but like you were so good at rando and I'm just so happy that you're on the show and I'm just so proud of you as a co-host and also as a friend. Thank, so. Thanks, dad. Uh, I, don't, I don't, I mean, I honestly, I, look, I've had this conversation with people. I'm really bad at taking compliments, so I'll say thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, there was that error team uh, on paper I think by all stretches deserve to win. <laughs> um, but that's why we play the game. We've talked about that before is, uh, you know, uh, you, you play the rando because sometimes things can go your way. And luckily the cards have fallen our way against Pug Trio and Air 216 and playoffs. And we, we haven't done it easily. It's been in game five every single time and it's been a nail biter. But, you know, here we are. Uh, Currently one and one with 
Uh, obviously, there's a match later today, so that'll change. But with Triple Dino Disaster, and at least, you know, if we lose 3-1 to one here, it, you know, guess what? They, they finally didn't sweep a team. So here we are, and hoping that uh, we can keep going. Because, I mean, who doesn't want... Uh, Fendrana versus Titans Mitts for the third season in a row in playoffs in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. That would be pretty, pretty prophetic for you guys to meet on the battlefield a third time. That would uh, uh, during. I think it would be yeah, stressful. That's that's the <laughs> word I, I, I want to use. Is stressful. Well, I'm sure it's all been stressful. All of all of these going to Game Five, like you said, you guys know how to put on a good show. Well, at least yeah. y'all are entertained. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but yeah, seriously, uh, huge congrats to you, uh, for, for making it as far as you have. And of course we'll be cheering you on to, uh, make it all the way to finals and, and take home that gold. Well, um, we'll just keep pretending that we, we have no idea what we're doing and somehow doing it and we'll just hope for the best. Uh, it's all you can really do in Rando, I think. Yep. And of course, shout outs to your teammates, Eddie M and Nep. Uh, don't want to leave them out of the accomplish- accomplishments as well, but, uh, yeah, it's been thrilling to watch, and, and um, you know we've talked about this many times, but the league is great because you can really get invested in it um, when your teammates are playing, but also when you have friends who are on teams, it also heightens your investment. So I just you know I love tuning into these and seeing these super high stakes uh, races where where there's you know 500 plus people in the in the chat, super fun. Yeah, and just to kind of briefly touch on you know obviously. The rest of the Final Four, you know, I mentioned that Triple Dino had swept everybody up until now. Um, obviously, you know, they're doing really good uh, on the opposite side of the bracket. Shaq Tool, this is their first time in the league uh, and in the and in the Invitational, nonetheless, um, were doing very well. They were in game, f- they, you know, they took a game five over uh, WJPTBD, I think is the mm-hmm. right acronym I, I get those mixed up but uh i think you got it that was yeah. you know a really exciting match in that game five that whole series was kind of back and forth um and shack tool obviously you know fendrana been undefeated literally the entire season regular and playoffs uh and as of last night uh finally did take their first l so they finally have one loss in the losers column there but you know, obviously that doesn't mean a whole lot. You got to lose three to get eliminated in playoffs. So we'll see uh, how the rest of their matches shape up as well. Either way, I really think the final four is going to be really exciting uh, to watch pan out, and then the finals as well should be should be a good time. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's going to be a good mix of just absolutely like dominating, you know, teams that that barely ever lose and scrappy teams that fight to the very end and, and win. So seeing, you know, a, a what is that uh, metaphor, like an impossible force and an immovable object? That's not it. <laughs> it's something like that, though. <laughs> you guys know what I'm going for. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, sometimes it's a unstoppable lot of, force and movable object. Yeah, it's it. a lot of determination okay. sometimes. And just, you know, can I win enough coin flips? Uh, that's that's what I think Rando is. It's like you practice enough, and then you know we said that before. But off to I'm just gonna do Temp's job now. Open oh, the open league. You know we're we're that's in Final Four too. That we've gotten to the point where those teams are gonna be you know having their stake in the uh, Invitational next season if they so choose to come in again. Uh, those four teams right now, Fromps time, who've been doing very well, Boomer friendly. 
Oops, uh, Herf, you're going to have to pronounce the, the, the German team. Basically, it wasn't where we thought it was or something like that is what that pronunciation uh, translates to. And then OK Game. So, uh, you know, those those are fighting for the final spot. They're guaranteed, they've got nothing to lose in a way uh, just because they're guaranteed that promotion. But, uh, you know, obviously they do want to be the champion as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. There, no, every single one of these teams wants to play to win. The I think the getting bumped up to Invitational is almost like a, a not a consolation, but it's like they've already achieved that, but they're far from done. All four of these teams, so I know, want to win it and be be the winner. Um, but yeah, uh, I did want to take a moment to shout out. Uh, we had some conference semifinalists who were mentor tournament teams or mostly comprised of mentor tournament participants from this last year, um, both Amish Paradise and uh, New Hyrule Order, both took games off of their opponents um, in the conference semifinals and very, very nearly made it to uh, that promotion and conference finals. So I just wanted to give one final uh, congratulations and recognition of those two teams. We're so proud of you uh, and the... Um, you know, showing everyone that you can you can learn this game and you can get better at it and you can be competitive uh, if you just you know put in the time and and uh, practice like Dante was saying. I think you're you're a perfect representation of that, and we're proud of you. You hear um, that, Herfie? Still... You could practice some yeah. more, and then you would <laughs> you would be you think top I can one. Also get on... the approval of Daddy Timp. Yeah, really you. Well, I just mean you could be top one on the ladder. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, but maybe, maybe you could do that. Uh, I mean, you're top two uh, right now with that. right under Dunka, uh, you know, in the the user list. But and that's you know, for a start, that's good enough for me. Yeah, Herf, I'm glad you mentioned that though. I always feel so weird saying I'm proud of people. Like even even when I was a teacher and I had students, like. That seems like a normal thing, like, okay, a teacher, you know, will be proud of his students when they perform well or, or mm-hmm. get good grades or whatever. But, like, even then, it's like, I don't feel like I had anything to do with your accomplishment. And to say that I'm proud of you almost claims that, like, I had something to do with it. And I don't necessarily <laughs> feel that way. I'm just, like, happy to be your friend and you and you were successful. You know? I don't know. It's I wish there was a different word for it other than proud that's, like, I don't know. Yeah, you sound like, you sound like my dad. um i guess i guess that's a compliment i guess i'll take that is your dad cool or Mm. yeah my dad's cool we'll say that (laughs) he's not like a hard ass is he he's like a cool guy cool dad yeah nice all right um should we talk more about our dads you guys want to have dad chat (laughs) i think i'm good on that all right, that'll be the bonus bonus content. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all check out check out our Patreon for our, our dad up. <laughs> um, all of that was made up. All right, so uh, what we're gonna do next is anything else on the league? By the way, no, nah, we we on? we hit that pretty hard. Okay, um, just keep uh, checking the website uh, for when those matches are going to be because there are some big ones coming up. Like we said, um, we can't tell you the exact times. Just check out that schedule. It'll it'll get you what you need. Cool. Okay, so what we're going to do next, we have a lot of like smaller kind of goings on in the community, none of them really worth like a full-fledged convo. So we got kind of a speed round of different things that we wanted to talk about to wrap up the last two or three weeks of, of the rando community world. Um, the first thing that I wanted to touch on here was the Advent Calendar. Uh, I did just recently, the other day, uh, finish that. I played all 26 days of it. 
Um, how far did did you get, Dante? Because I know you'd started at one point. Oh yeah, I finished the whole the whole thing. You finished it too. Yeah, awesome. It, it was uh, it was fun. I had a good time. I I will say what's not fun, uh, and that is, I mean, trying to let's play it the you know and catch up on Christmas Eve, and play the whole thing you know through like the day after Christmas because that's what I did. Um, yeah. Or and by the whole thing, I mean day seven and onward. Uh, I, honestly, for me. I love the the music uh, in small doses, but eventually I started, you know, getting a headache. It was like I'm so tired of hearing the Christmas <laughs> music in Super Nintendo form. Uh, it, it's killing me. But other than that, you know, jokes aside, it was actually a lot of fun. I had a good time playing it. I turned the sound off after like day three or four. Once I realized it was just going to be the same song over and over. Uh, yeah, I just I just didn't even. Those with it. are the strats, and you <laughs> uh, you got it right. <laughs> yeah, the only problem I really appreciate the the work that goes into the you know the arrangements and it's the links of the past instruments, which is super cool. But there's no volume control; it's all loud. Yeah, I mean, and, anyway, how how specific can we ask for things? I mean, let, let, right? You know, let's be honest here, because right, it, it, it's it's tough. It's tough. That's fair. No, uh, no, no one's complaining here. Just making observations. Um, but yeah, door window. So I, I played all of it too, uh, all the way through day 26. And I guess I was thinking that like, again, going back to expectations, I was thinking something might happen if I got all of the pendants or did all the days. Um, I don't think anything really happened. I think it was just like, good job. You did it. Yeah, I beat, I beat Ganon on day 25, and then I beat Ganon again on day 26. I, I mean, there was a little more story in the hint tile, which I enjoyed and appreciated, but day 25 was so similar to day 26 in that they were just both uh, larger dungeons, like based on Ganon's tower, I guess. So there was like closer to 25 items in each one. And to your point, Dante, both of them were very similar to where I also played them back to back and I kept forgetting. And it's hard enough already in Dorando to remember what goes where, let alone playing one shuffled almost like the other one directly one right after the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was definitely confusing. But um, it was a great, like, intro to Dorando, I felt like. And I've said that before. It was just cool to, like, play a lot of these randomized dungeons so that now, if and when I do play a Dorando seed, I kind of know some of the like pitfalls and the way that like the compass works, for instance, and all that. So overall, it was enjoyable. But yeah, I will say, um, if you binged days like I did, and like I'm sure a lot of people did, started to get a, a little, um, uh, to be a bit excessive, I think. But overall, super fun idea. I really enjoyed, uh, you know, enjoyed enjoyed going through it, especially when I was doing it more like one a day. That was that was nice. Yeah. So. It just depends on how your schedule is, obviously, because, you know, obviously we can't and not everyone can uh, can do it that way. And I'm also fully willing to take on some of the onus of like, I am an idiot. So that takes me a little it takes me a little longer to get through some of these dungeons than it probably should, because I forget what door goes where and, you know, don't heal when I should and end up taking a death. So part of it is definitely on me just being bad at the game. But um, at least at least you can admit it. I uh, yeah. You know, uh, that's that's half the battle, I think, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't change anything, whether it's, you know, me being bad or the game actually taking a long time. Still took that time. But anyway, 
Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Uh, so I did want to mention real quick uh, Glan's uh, ALTTP All Dungeons run at the most recent Games Done Quick, uh, the virtual Games Done Quick. Uh, I personally did not get to see the run, but I did get uh, to tune in to the Glitch Exhibition at the very end, which was uh, a blast. It was super fun uh, to watch. We'll put a link to that in the description. Did either of you guys get a chance to watch this? Uh, I didn't watch it live, but I you know, watched it on YouTube after they released it, including the glitch exhibition at the end. Uh, yeah, it was great fun. Huge uh, shout out to uh, Taj and Chex Human for the commentary. Also did a great job. Uh, enjoyable all around. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the commentary on it uh, was phenomenal uh, overall. They, they both did a good job, like, you know, complimenting everything Glenn did. Glenn did, like, a. I thought the run was fantastic because there was a lot of you know, that newly discovered tech we've talked about and that we use in Rando, and we kind of take it for granted, uh, you know, with Icebreaker, Diver Down, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, mixing that in with all the uh, exploration glitch stuff, it's really a wild watch. Uh, I had a few people um, that always watch GDQ that don't know a, a ton about, you know, like Randomizer. They don't know a ton about Zelda. They just know I play it. And, uh, you know, they sent me a couple like DMs during that run, like, oh my God, this is, I didn't know how broken this game is. This is crazy. And I was like, yeah, it's, I don't know how to do all that, but it's, it's really cool to watch. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll cue that one up and, and give it a watch then. I guess I was a little resistant just because it's ALTTP, you know, and, and a speed run of that. And I, it, honestly, it's been hard for me to watch CDQs in the virtual format. I much prefer when they're together. Of course, that's no fault of their own. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I should watch it. I'll, I'll check that out. Um, what else do we have? The German community, uh, we, we mentioned this super quick last time, but they, uh, have their own tournament, uh, in their community of German language speakers going on that has just kicked off. There's 64 players in that. And as you know, if you've been in the community for any sort of, uh, time, then the German community has some of the best players in ALTTPR. So that tournament's definitely one to keep an eye on because um, you're going to see a lot of really good players going up against one another, uh, especially in the later stages. Right now we're just in groups. But uh, um, if you know, I got to ask you, buddy. You got any You got any thoughts on the German community turning? <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm not really, I haven't really been paying too much attention, to be honest, but I was talking to the lane a little bit uh, a few days ago. And it's just interesting to see that um, these foreign language communities are oftentimes, you know, easy entrances for people from all over the world into the grander world of rando, so to speak. Because every German tournament, some people show up, nobody's ever heard of them. They generally aren't too great not to knock anyone or anything, but, you know, they lose most of their games uh, and they kind of just disappear again into the big mass of the community i guess but i think it's still nice that they you know want to compete somewhere and have that opportunity to compete in a tournament format somewhere and more power to them yeah awesome cool all right you okay over there tim (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i just you uh, sounded so so disinterested and i was hanging on her's every word and you just degraded his his entire like recap that was so disrespectful and i just wanted to make sure you understood 
<laughs> All right, it's my turn to quit. I'm leaving. I'm leaving the Discord call. It's it, now you're the host. All right, and this has been the entirety of the Go Mode podcast. Uh, this is probably I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're not like canceling the show, are you? No, no, no. All right. I was just checking in to make sure you weren't doing that. Okay, I'm going to leave again. So Ladder, uh, season five, that got started. Uh, I mean, he's not here anymore, so who cares that Temp's been playing Ladder? He's, he's probably losing, um, like me. But uh, there's a lot of accessible modes. Uh, you know, like, Herf, how do you feel about Ladder? You know, there's a lot of standard. There's a lot of boots. There's a lot of open and cross keys. Uh, it sounds like Ladder. How you, how you feel about it? Uh, I feel pretty good about it. I think this was the first season where Lenka put out, like, sort of put it to the community, so to speak, what should be in and what shouldn't be in. Uh, everything was kind of, like, voted on and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it uh, it turned out pretty interesting, I think, and people seem to be happy. There's still a lot of activity despite all the naysayers that we also shortly mention in our feature today. Uh, everything's got their naysayers, but I'm glad it's still working out so well. It also looks like Dunka has now finally managed to, you know, iron out the last couple of kinks. There's still a little bit here or there that might go wrong, but, uh, most of it is just, you know, fully automated now. We're just there to watch. Basically, we hardly have anything to do. That's pretty and, awesome. Surprisingly, I don't even remember the last appeal we've got. You know, oh, do I need to go type so. in there just to wake you guys up? <laughs> no, we're then, not missing it. It's just interesting to see how everything's developed, and now it just it just works. You know, I'm I'm asleep, and then I wake up and I check in if anything went wrong, and ninety nine percent of the time everything worked exactly as you'd expect it to, and it just yeah. runs now. That's good because I, I can understand that would be super frustrating. Uh, you know, especially like. If, if you're trying to have something be prevalent in a community and then it's always breaking, it's it's not fun. I just, you know, someone's going to call me out. Like, I'll call myself out. I'm a baby. I'm tired of cross keys. It, it You know, it's 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 <laughs> tough. But everybody's a baby and won't vote for Swordless. It's been five seasons. This is my campaign. I'm going to start it. Season six, Swordless or you're a baby. You know, I can't. Oh, wow. I can't. uh say what i really want to say because we try to keep the e rating off of this uh <laughs> this podcast but stop being a baby play some swordless we got quick swap now it's not so bad you know who cares if you got to find silvers learn learn the one millisecond or one frame not one millisecond the one frame hammer hit you know it's it's doable uh that that's that's my my soapbox Wait, what's, that? what's the one frame hammer hit? i'm talking about the one where you to do silverless ganon with the hammer, oh. yeah, it's a lot harder than it sounds. But <laughs> I, I mean, I joke, but I, I'm serious. Like, I want to see some swordless. I will like give me that. I will skip the main tournament if there is ladder swordless, and I will do my best to play almost every single one of them that is within my scheduling time frame. Dang, I didn't know how passionate you were about swordless. <laughs> I think I voted for it once in the past. You voted for it. Well, I mean. I, I there's like four or five people I know that vote for it, and I feel like they're the only four or five people that vote for it. It depends on what it was up against. I mean, if it was something good, obviously I wouldn't have voted for it. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's like <laughs> it was something good compared to was, yeah, but see, if it was like yeah, cross keys, and I, I would vote for well, this every day. Cross keys is a staple. I understand that. That's why that's a mode and ladder. Uh, you know, 
uh, I just I know that I complain about like cross keys competitively sometimes just because it's so varied in some ways, but. I'm not really good at reading the logic of cross keys of seeing like, oh, uh, this entrance was at the witch's hut. So therefore, my hook shot is in the fifth chest inside of Ganon's tower. And I know that logically like that's that's not, you know, I don't think anybody knows that. But sometimes I feel like people talk about cross keys like they think it's like that. So there, yeah. like I said, I'm going to get off my soapbox now. Uh, cause I've probably ticked off every, I mean, luckily people who probably play cross keys don't even listen to this. So uh, luckily, maybe I haven't ticked anybody off. <laughs> uh, yeah. If, if you love cross keys and you know, you know where to find Dante if you have thoughts for him. Um, I have been playing a lot of ladder this season and I heard what you said, Dante. I'm about, I'm about, uh, 50% wins and losses. I, I'm like four Heck and yeah. four, I think right now. So. Proving me wrong. Uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I love that there's been a lot of the more like accessible modes. I did want to give a quick PSA to anyone who has signed up for pings for that server. I would highly suggest going back and just double checking those because I noticed the other day that I wasn't getting pings for standard because that is a mode that has been introduced since the last time I managed my pings. So I had to go like turn on pings for standard. So, uh, just a quick PSA. To anyone who does like to get these pings for ladder modes that you do feel like you can play, uh, there are some more that have been added, and you might want to check your your pings in that in that server. Another workaround for that is just turn on pings for all matches, and then don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's that's what I do, and then I'm just like, yeah, I'm working, can't play that. But there's been an like that saved me before because normally I wouldn't have the mystery one on because sometimes yeah. the mystery modes are kind of eh with ladder but you know obviously it's not going to be you know the mystery pog champ setting but i yeah. uh I, I thought a race was starting at 8 p.m one day and i'm eating food and i get the ping and i was like whole crap it's seven it's not eight uh you know i'm i'm glad i got the ping so the system works yeah yeah that's fair uh i i have also got into the habit of since i am playing more like i'll check the schedule once a day and like you said, mystery, I think, is the only exception. I don't get pings for that, but I will occasionally join one of those because I can probably handle it. I actually got an inverted in mystery um, a little while ago, and I didn't win, but I did complete the seed. And I, I think that's like the first inverted that I've ever done was that that mystery seed. So, um, you know, not not all bad in, in terms of uh, an experience, but. Yeah, I'll I'll like check the the schedule to see what's going on that day and occasionally do a mystery, but I just can't have all these pings for modes that I'm almost never gonna play. Be blowing up my phone, you know. I get enough of those. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. All right, uh, you guys get three minutes for the next bullet point starting <laughs> now. Go. Yeah, no, we we used up a lot of our time. All right, uh, Dante, do you have anything to say about this new shake storage glitch that we teased that last time? Has any more developed from it? No. Like I said, it it has been talked. The little that it has been talked about um, ha, is the most it'll ever be used before the heat death of the universe. I think that's what Ninban said in the Racing Council channel, and that's actually probably true. Like it is going to be the most niche thing ever. Uh, we haven't voted on it yet. We'll see. We got a we got a new term of council members coming in really soon. We got to finish that up. I think the seventeenth was the final day to sign up, and uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what the new council has to say about it. Oh, okay. Cool. I actually didn't know that, that we got I new think. council members coming in. So that's cool. Um, 
Real quick, did you guys hear about this thing of uh, an old man holding a Samaria block? Oh, God. All right, no so, all right, hang on. All right, so here's, here's like, Herf gave me a time limit, so we're going to talk about it real fast. Uh, okay. There's the inclination, you think, uh, in, in, in Inverted, where when you pick up a bush, you walk faster with the old man up the dark mountain. It is very, 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 very minuscule, but I think you do walk faster. Um, this ha- this came up from like a tweet where Zero Rush tweeted something about it because there was a discussion in chat during mine and Shireen's race where apparently Shireen placed a Cane of Samaria block down in the old man room to pick it up to walk faster. Uh, and actually because of the time you spent spend standing still placing the block, picking it up, it's actually much slower by like half second. Um, yeah. It's not worth it. Maybe the it maybe it, it, it's worth it with the old man climb. I'd say to do maybe not place a cane of Samaria block, but the bush is there. It's definitely not worth it inside the old man cave. Like just just walk out. The yeah. end. I just thought it was funny because you read that and you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like Link has different movement speeds depending on things that he's holding or followers. So if you can override the follower speed with the holding something speed that's so much faster and then all you have to do is just look at this one tweet which i'll link in the description that just shows them both side by side and it's like um no definitely not faster sorry but i just thought it was funny to you know people have that moment where they think they just invented a new glitch or meta or whatever and it's like no of course somebody's thought of that and it's not faster sorry but i just thought it was funny did we make it was that three minutes yeah close but you made it Awesome. All right. Let's do some GMP community updates. All right. So we have the Overworld Glitches Mentor Tournament. We are now into quarterfinals going on this week. So we've whittled it down to eight in the field. Dante, still in it. How's it going for you? Uh, this is going good. Um, uh, playing uh, Mega Man 2 Nest Cartridge or MM2 Nest Cartridge. Uh, and, uh, we got our game one out of the way pretty early just because I don't know what my league situation stuff's going to be like as far as like scheduling. So I was trying to be proactive. Um, it's best of three. So we got to schedule game two. Uh, I'm currently up one. We'll see how this, you know, next game goes and, um, we'll see how the rest of these matches go. They've been, this turn, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It seems like things have been very smooth and other shout out to Malmo and the admins that we have working to, manage everything you know with such a small tournament it's easy to just reach out to folks and problem solve on a small scale instead of having to make big announcements and you know uh stuff like that so it's it's yeah it's been very uh drama free which i love and um seems like everyone's having having a lot of fun with it so we will definitely dig more into this in uh future episodes so you know we've been kind of relegating it to our gmp community updates but it will have its day in the sun um relatively soon so stay tuned for more on the uh, overall glitches mentor tournament as it wraps up. Uh, finally, we have our bi-weekly seeds we need to handle. So episode 64, the last one, we did that standard with random weapon. Um, I didn't get around to this one. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of ladder, um, but I did see some folks uh, streaming this one who have either never raced before or never streamed before. And I just wanted to say it's really cool to see all these folks that are giving it a shot. I know it can be frustrating at first when you watch a lot of people play and then you try to play it. It doesn't quite go the way that you thought it was going to. But um, getting over that and overcoming the different uh, challenges of the game, I think, is one of the another one of the many, many very fun and satisfying things about this entire game and community. So uh, shout outs to you guys who are, who are giving it a shot and, and streaming and joining the community. 
Um, now for episode 65, uh, of course, you know, our feature today is door rando and we're going to have a, a really in-depth conversation about that. Um, I thought it would be cool to have a door rando seat. I wasn't sure if that was going to be possible or not, but after speaking with our guest Aaron on, that is something that we're going to be able to do. And it's not too difficult or unreasonable to distribute that. So what we're going to do is in the biweekly seed channel, we'll have some descriptions of a way that you can patch your A Link to the Past ROM, what well, Japanese 1.0 ROM, so that it uh, very quickly and simply spits out this door randomized seed. And that will be our biweekly seed for episode 65. So I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, I think that'll be probably a lot of people's first exposure to door rando and uh, should be a fun one. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, anything that you guys can think of that we need to say to set up our interview here with uh, Aaron on? Uh, it should be. <laughs> I mean, it's look. It's gonna have a ton of info. Like it kind of. It's gonna kind of blow you away, I guess, a little bit as far as like the amount of of info coming at you. But if you've watched um, some folks in the community running crisscross stuff, and you're like, "How is that all happening?" Well, this is how it's happening. Uh, it's really cool. It's a really cool project, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun talking to Aaron on about it. Yeah, from development to playing it to how to download it, to how to generate your own. Um, really looking forward to everyone hearing our interview with Aaron on on Door Rando, which we will get into right now. Next up on the Go Mode podcast, I am pleased to welcome to the show Aaronon. Aaronon, hello. Hi. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Aaronon, you may know as the inventor of Door Rando when it comes to ALTTPR. Um, so Aaronon, let's just start with, you know, tell us about how you got into the ALTTPR scene. Well, it's probably a lot a lot like other people's stories. Um, I was just on Twitch one day, and I ran across somebody. I don't even remember who it is anymore. And they were playing this weird version of Link to the Past. I remember he was, the part I jumped into, he was in Ice Palace, and there was a medallion symbol on the floor. I was like, what is going on? Obviously, that was a swordless seed. Hmm. Eventually, I kind of figured it out um, and ran into the website, and... Uh, the first community I ran into was the um, the Reddit community, and one of the things I started playing with was uh, the, their weekly seeds, and especially the weekly weird seed was one of my favorites. I think back then it was run by EDOS, and now I think compiling does it on Reddit. Mm. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, so I just started watching a few tournament games, started playing a lot, and yeah, that was how I kind of got into it. And uh, when was that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think it was 2018 sometime. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of folks get into ALTTPR from the Reddit just because it is so visible. And so many people have a mind of like, if you're on Reddit, if there's something you're interested in, one of the first things you're going to do is look for a Reddit of it. And a lot of people collect there. So I think that's awesome. Um, what do you love about A Link to the Past Randomizer? What what keeps you you know interested and involved in the community? Um, it's, there's a lot of great people in the community I've discovered. And also, I mean, just the concept of, of the randomizer has been great. And I think the link to the past one has been done really well. Uh, just the replayability, there's just so many different ways to play it. Um, it kind of keeps your interest and keeps your brain a little bit active as you try to figure these things out. And uh, breathing life into an old game that I love, I mean, that's that was great. Mm. 
So um, what inspired you to develop Door Rando? If you need to set up kind of what it is a little bit, of course, we're going to get way into that here in just a second. But um, what 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 inspired you to, to make this modification to this mod of this game? Well, I, I played a lot. So one of my favorite modes is Entrance Rando. Um, I remember one of the first things I looked into was because um, Inverted had just come out. And so I was looking into a way to play Inverted plus Entrance Randomizer at the same time to see if how that combination was any good and i had learned that uh i think it's cassidy who was um working on making that a reality that that combination um and i was like okay someone's already doing that what should i do maybe i can help contribute because i saw some other people like that kind of just contributing to the whole thing and so i i was thinking about it and i remember some discussion might have been in like um Andy's Twitch chat or something where they were bothering him like, hey, would that be any fun? And I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, yeah, that might be fun. Even though some people were saying, no, that wouldn't be any fun. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. But I thought to myself, yeah. There's always going to be naysayers to any, any good idea, you know? Yeah, always going to be naysayers to any good idea. And it's like, well, you got to have to try it out before you can really discount it. So that's what I decided to do was um, try it out. Mixing up the dungeons is definitely something that hadn't been done before and I thought would be interesting because when I would play an entrance rando, rando seed, um, totally I would turn my brain off when I would go into a dungeon because it's yeah. like, oh, here's something very familiar and I can think about other things while I'm in the dungeon. Interesting. Um, so we've had a lot of people on the show that have uh, touched the code of A Link to the Past and um, there, there's it gets a lot of mixed reviews, uh, mostly people agree that it's it's very messy um so how did you get into like dissecting the code of this this you know super nintendo game from 1991 <laughs> um that's a let's see how do i get into that um i remember i was looking around for resources and i found like parallel worlds and i was just blown away by what they had customized in that um eventually i did find the the disassembly by math on napkins and that is was a huge um, help to understanding the code. Um, whoever that person is, they did a fantastic job on um, documenting and structuring the the, the assembly code. Um, and then the other big uh, help was the entrance randomizer itself, and just the way it, it customized things. You can learn a lot um, about how it works under the hood. Excellent. Well, um, I think it's probably, this is probably as good a time as any to get into what is Door Rando. Um, so essentially the idea is, you know, we took this game, A Link to the Past, and we love to randomize things in it as the R and the ALTTPR um, would indicate. We've randomized items, we randomize overworld entrances, we've done keys, we've done boss keys, enemies, we've randomized sprites and MSU packs, and that just wasn't quite enough. So now we've come to Door Rando. So... Aaron, on, tell, tell us about Door Rando and, and what, what it does uh, to the experience. Yeah, so the, the main thing about Door Rando is the dungeons. And um, we have, we've changed the contents of the dungeons before, moving what's inside the chests. That's the main thing you do in dungeons. Um, I guess the animizer changes the enemies or the bosses in the dungeons, which is great. Um, but the dungeons were always laid out the same, and it was the same puzzles. And some of the one things I did love about Link to the Past was find, figuring out those puzzles as you went through the, the game the first time. Um, so I was thinking to myself, well, what if we rearranged the rooms in a different way so that you could kind of re-experience some of that, trying to figure out, oh, new puzzles could emerge um, from mixing things up or 
just being able to do things in a different way. And I was also thinking that there was a lot of dungeon uh, rooms in the game that really weren't used, even with the randomizer. I was like, oh, we could kind of get into that and have some more fun by using some of these, these things that already exist in the game. And so to mix the dungeons, you really have to get into uh, how, how they program the dungeons. And there's two maps in, in, for the underworld and Link to the Past. There's what they call the EG1 map and the EG2 map. And anyone who, who's done glitching is probably very familiar with these maps. But for, for most people, you don't even know they exist. It's, it, if you can kind of picture it in your head, it's a 16 by 16 grid on the EG1 map. That's basically what, I, what I've been working with. And a lot of the transitions in Link to the Past are just really easy because the two rooms, um, we call them super tiles, which is um, usually a collection of about four rooms. Sometimes it's completely like a, a big room would only be one super tile, but sometimes you can have up to four rooms on a, t on a super tile. And then a lot of times on the underworld map, they'd be set next to each other where you can go between them just really easy and the code just kind of scrolls you across. And you're very familiar with those kind of transitions as you play the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, could you give uh, maybe an example of a couple of, you know, uh, super tiles, like rooms that, are, that are, take up a whole super tile? Yeah, uh, the first one that comes to mind is Desert. Right when you go inside Desert, there's this big room, and um, it doesn't scroll till you get to one of the edges, and that's a super tile. Um, another good one is Hyrule Castle, where you first go into Hyrule Castle right at the beginning of the game, and there's that big room, and there's a... Uh, like what, two, two doors on the left, one door on the right, and a stairs on the top. So all of those kind of link to each other. And to make the game work, sometimes they had to put dungeons not next to each other laid out because of the different floors. And so they used stairs to connect different parts of the, the map if they weren't like laid out right next to each other. Um, that's kind of how, how the game is done. And there's uh, different kinds of transitions between these super tiles that I've discovered. Um, you have your normal doors, which just look exactly what you what you think mm -hmm. you have those edges like in the I, in the desert palace main room you have those edges where you hit an edge and it kind of scrolls over just like on the overworld um, there's two types of stairs there's the spiral staircase where you kind of change floors in place you go in one way and you come out facing a different way and then you have the um, the straight stairs where you go in it's almost like a door transition to the north or south then there's some others, like uh, pits can take you to a different floor, so that's a transition, or warp tiles can take you to a different super tile. Um, I feel like I'm missing something. But those are kind of a, an overview of the different transitions in the dungeons. And I've worked on most of those, not all of them. Um, so there are certain rules, like, you know, I, I think when you say, like, oh, yeah, door rando, you mix around the rooms of a dungeon, people are like, oh, wow, any room could show up anywhere. It's not quite like that. There is there is a little bit more uh, structure to it in that, uh, you know, a lot of dungeon rooms uh, are on the same super tile together. So it's actually a collection of three or four rooms, and you can guarantee those will always be together, even in a door rando seed. Right. Uh, if they're logically connected, meaning you can actually get from them to the other. Um, let's see if I can come up with a good example of that off the top of my head. Um, oh, Eastern. So Eastern over by the Stalfos room, right? Mm -hmm. um, you have the Stalfos room and you have the, the chest, which I think is the vanilla compass chest next to it. Mm -hmm. And then next to that, you have the hint tile room. Um, there's a, like a blocked path at the bottom and there's also... Um, a second, I don't know what we call it, a second floor above that where you can traverse. Yeah. All those all those are linked and you can go between them. 
then you have things that are on the same super tile, but you can't actually go between. And those I actually can split up in in Dorando. Um, in Trill Rock, there's the first Pokey Room, followed by Chain Chomps. Well, in there's another room on that that super tile, and you get to that you know via the main hub in Turtle Rock where you use the Samaria block can go over. And no one ever goes over here because it's a tile room with a dead end. Nobody ever wants to do a tile room just to get like a fairy in a pot or something. <laughs> so um, those aren't connected to the chain chomp room. So those two things, even though they're on the same super tile, are are treated separately logically. I see. Okay. Hmm. Um, uh, if so you don't mind me butting in here real quick, I don't know if this is a good part of where this fits in really but since you were just talking about you know them logically being connected and everything uh, i was looking through our outline a little bit and we touch on some uh, i want to say side effects of it but i don't think we ever really do touch on what logical consequences dorando might have which is something that i'm pretty interested in you know shuffling the rooms around in a dungeon Surely you also have to pay attention to what you can logically reach, you know, so you don't get to a hookshot pit when you don't have the hookshot or that the hookshot isn't behind that somehow or something along those lines, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, because you have to kind of assume um, or at least define rules so when you start placing items, you don't put something back there that uh, you can't get to without that item, right? Mm -hmm. Just like in the the main rando, they do that all the time. They just like uh, you have to use hookshot to get across the gap in um, Death Mountain uh, mm -hmm. from the west to the east. Um, so uh, you got to make sure one of the big jobs was making sure I got all the logic in. Like you have to have hookshot to get across the Moldorm gap um, at Moldorm 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the resources that we'll have in the description of this episode is uh, um, places you can go to look for like common things that come up, I guess, would be fair to say in Dorando. For instance, mm -hmm. like having to traverse through some rooms backwards, you end up having to do things you wouldn't normally think to do in a normal seed where the dungeon is, you know, put up a normal way. So there are, I, I of course, I can't think of any off the top of my head as I'm saying this, but... So the one that gets most people is doing Agonin's Tower backwards because yes. um, there's blocks you have to push to open the doors when you go backwards. And most people don't even know those blocks exist. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's a good example. Perfect example. Yeah, who goes um, backwards? Yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, good to know. <laughs> Um, I figure we'll we'll touch on maybe a few more of those when we're talking about playing door door mm -hmm. rando, yeah. um, common pitfalls and quirks kind of kind of stuff of like how the logic works and how it all how it all stitches together. Um, um, do we want to maybe talk about some of the modes and options uh, that, uh, that are currently available for door rando? Yeah. Um, so the the main choice that you have when you start door rando is uh, a choice. Like what? What rooms are going to be shuffled together? And then we call that basic versus crossed. In basic, all the rooms of a dungeon still are in that dungeon, and only that dungeon is mixed up. That's a really good way to get started with door rando because you're actually kind of familiar with what rooms could show up when you go into a dungeon. So you're kind of like, well, I don't know if Eastern will require the bow, but most likely it will at some point. Um, same thing with pod because there's a couple bow rooms in pod. So you're like, okay, well, I know I'm going to pod, even though. The hammer might be nice, the bow might be nice, but if I'm going without those, you know, I'm taking a risk at not being able to complete it. Uh, crossed is a little more crazy in that all the dungeons are mixed together. Um, so a one room from 
one dungeon could show up in any dungeon. So you really don't know in Crossed what you're getting into until you go explore that dungeon a bit. So that's the main option. Um, to kind of help out with Door Rando, um, we actually start you with an item. Um, it's kind of called the mirror scroll because it looks like a map or a scroll and it's in the mirror spot. And the way it works is it takes it works just like the mirror, but only in dungeons. So you can't do any of the overworld logically with a mirror. Um, so you don't get a free mirror, but you have an option to get back to the beginning of a dungeon, just in case the dungeon uh, spits you out into something that you can't leave or die easily. A soft lock. Most of the time you can... Yeah, you don't want... So that was a good addition. Uh, we, we talked about that quite a while, trying to figure out a way to avoid soft locks. And we could do it algorithmically, but it would... Um, be a lot more complicated. So we decided, I, at least I decided to add this mirror scroll and it worked out great. Good. Uh, another thing you should be aware of is small key doors in Door Rando, because of the way they kind of, a lot of the doors were paired on different super tiles. It, it felt really weird when I first started to open a door on one super tile to have another door open up somewhere else in the dungeon. <laughs> so that was really weird. And so um, we actually shuffle around where the small key doors are in a dungeon, in both modes, basic and crossed. So, and the game is kind of weird in where it allows small key doors to go. There um, can be up to eight doors on a super tile, but only the first four of those in an arbitrary order can have a key door. Um, so they show up in certain places and never show up in other places. Um, so we kind of shuffle the, the small key doors around. So like a door that um, you're used to seeing as like a crack in the wall that you have to bomb could now look like a closed door that is locked. Yep, exactly. You might have to have a key through it. Cool. And logically, um, we'll probably get into this later, but um, we had to develop, uh, at least I had to develop logic to account for where all the keys are for that particular dungeon so that it would logically place the keys correctly. Yeah, as Herf was saying, you know, doing the puzzle creating a puzzle is so much harder than solving one right and that's basically what <laughs> you're, you're you're not only doing that but you're making something that creates puzzles which it just yeah i'm so making complex. something that creates puzzles it's kind of it's really tricky yeah, yeah for sure <laughs> to say the least um uh okay we've got some more modes to go through okay yeah um intensity levels this one helps you um choose a little bit how much you want to randomize. At the moment, I've got three different levels. The first level only does normal doors and spiral staircases, and I kind of chose those because those were the first ones I did. Later, I added the open edges, like the ones in desert where it just kind of scrolls you. You don't have to go through a door particularly, and I added the straight staircases because um, those came a little bit later. Hmm. And then the third level does all of that, plus um, it also changes the beginning room of the dungeon. It can be anything that has a nice south transition that I can um, change into something that could go to the overworld. Uh, so it picks from a pool of different um, opening opening rooms. And that's kind of fun too. Wow. So that you don't always have to start in the same room mm -hmm. in the dungeon. Without that intensity level, you do start in the same room. So that's kind of nice too for some people. It gives you a, like one point of reference, like one thing to like no is always there in that that third intensity and in cross dungeon is actually quite helpful because you know what dungeon you're in to start with right yeah <laughs> especially for combining this with entrance randomizer yeah um but to that we uh we added a um an indicator in the upper left to help you know which dungeon you're in especially in crossed mode so that you can be reminded um, what dungeon it will say like uh hc for hyrule castle 
um, and it'll give you a letter and a number for the other dungeons. Like L stands for Light World, so Light World 1 through 3 or Dark World 1 through 7 to help you uh, know which dungeon that you're in if you've, if you've changed that up. Perfect. Then we have Key Drop Shuffle. So this was because of the way the logic works in Door Randomizer, I was able to um, create a new mode that shuffles not only the normal locations, the normal 216 locations that you usually have in, in Randomizer, but also the, the, the drops, both the enemies and the pot keys, um, and in, add those into the general pool, and also add the, the, the normal pool to any enemy that dropped a key or a pot that had a key before can now have any item that's in the pool. Well, that's a pretty fun mode. Yeah. Um, I have a philosophical question for everyone on this podcast. Is there a point where you randomize the game so much that it's not even a link <laughs> to the past anymore? No, not really. Because I think the core <laughs> gameplay mechanics will always be the same, right? It'll always feel the same controlling link and slashing with your sword and everything. I'm yeah. wondering but if... I, Go ahead, Herb. I was just going to say, I, I know what you're getting at. Uh, I think it's kind of crazy to imagine... That I'm killing, I don't know, uh, a Stalfo somewhere or something, and they drop the hookshot or Kane of Samaria or something. <laughs> that just seems like insane to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, we've randomized so much now. Uh, it, it's one of those deals where I, I know that this is like a different topic for another day, but the, there's the discussion of overworld rando as well. And that kind of makes me want to be like all right hard stop because that's a different <laughs> that's your line that's a different game like that's when we're hitting a different game because the map is moved but at the same time i can see why it would be fun and uh, you know anyway that like i said another topic for another day <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm mostly uh joking but yeah it's i just like i've said like that experience feels like a completely different game at that point and not in a bad way not at all um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible and, and hats off to you and everyone else in the community who is able to do this to the game. It, it blows my mind. Yeah, it's real fun. Um, I have a lot of fun making new changes to the game and, and, uh, it's great. Incredible. I, I think a lot of the things that come out of it are fun. Hmm. Probably just a couple more things I, I wanted to go over. Um, let's see, HUD changes. So... Because Zorando does make it a lot more confusing to play, we I, I added a couple thing features to the HUD um, to make it easier. So the compass usually is considered one of the those garbage items. Yes. Um, but now, when you don't know how many items are in the dungeon in the cross mode, the compass will tell you how many items are in that dungeon and how many you've collected, and it really helps you. Uh, say, oh, how close am I to completing this dungeon, or how complicated is this dungeon likely to be, but just by the amount of items that are in it. Yeah, I love that. If you get a nice small six-item dungeon, you're like, oh, phew, this one won't be too hard. Or if you yeah. get a nice big 18, you'll be like, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a... There's uh, an option to... Oh, so go ahead. I, I was just going to say real quick, we had a, uh, a, a listener question one time ask, you know, it, could there be other things we could do with the map and the compass, other you know, uh, uh, things that, that add to the gameplay experience. And I love that you found a, a way to do exactly that in Dorando. And, and I found it to be yeah. extremely helpful, uh, when, when I, you know, when I tried out the, uh, advent calendar, you know, those features. Yeah. Um, there's two ways to do the compass in the settings. You can have it, uh, show you the numbers when you find the compass, or you can just have it, have those numbers always on. A lot of people choose that because they want to know upfront how many items are in a dungeon. Um, the other thing the compass does is it 
blinks a little red square on the screen if you're close to the boss when you have it. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminiscent of uh, its original use, I think from Zelda 1. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then for the map, I added a uh, key counter for you. And that shows up near the keys, and it shows you how many keys out of how many keys there are to find. That one doesn't count drops unless you have the key drop shuffle on. Um, the, the cool thing about that feature is it actually made it back into the main rando, and it's why auto trackers can now keep track of keys in key sanity seeds. Ah, was that cool. little counter helped oh, out? Neat. Um, so that was a, that was something that actually went back to main rando already. Um, so we could show that in in the main rando. It's just we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's much help there. So for those who are kind of machocystic and, and want to combine a lot of options together, they've come up um, with a mode that they've dubbed uh, crisscross. All right. And that tends to be a cross door shuffle with intensity level three, the key drop shuffle on. So, Whew. and also the normal cross key settings like entrance randomizer. Now, uh, how long does this, does a seed like that typically take somebody? Oh, I don't really know. Um, for me, I'd probably take about four hours on average. Um, probably if you're better, you're probably oh getting goodness. sub three hours pretty consistently, I bet. So, like, being, you know, one of the guys who has to go through races on race time and, like, record them, seeing, you know, uh, a lot of the runners do these, like, pick up races almost daily with crisscross settings, you'll see very varied times. Uh, it really just depends on how complex the logic gets. Uh, I've, you know, I've seen some closer to the two hour mark, but then again, I've seen some where the winning time was well over three hours and it, it really just depends. I, I you know, I, I hate saying that when we talk about, you know, scenarios, it depends, but, um, it just, how deep that logic goes and, and how, you know, crazy the item layout is. Yeah. It can be quite convoluted, especially with crisscross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. One thing that I wonder now that we've talked about a lot of the you know modes and features of Dora Rando is there like a you know like with ALTTPR I think you know it's fair to say that like open seven seven defeat cannon is like the uh, Dante makes fun of me for saying vanilla because that's not the right word but like the plain <laughs> regular version is there like a plain regular version of Dora Rando that you would recommend or like that most people race for instance mm, that's a really good question. Um... I know crisscross is pretty popular. We've covered that. Um, I know some people do just cross doors with key drop, and then they reduce the crystals a little bit for the for Ganon, and probably GT as well. So you don't have to do all the dungeons. Um, early on, people were pretty crazy and liked the all dungeons, so they had the full experience of all the crazy dungeons. Though if you're beginning, I really recommend running a basic seed, probably with less settings, to kind of get a feel for how it works, and then adding stuff in. I, I I really don't have a recommended one, but I think they're all kind of fun. You just kind of pick your level of craziness. That makes sense. Perfect. All right, so uh, let's dive into the the history of Door Rando from you know the first conceptualization, which you talked about briefly at at, at the at the top, um, through the development all the way up to kind of the um, you know the form in which it exists now. Just kind of a brief overview of where it started and where it is now and how it got there. So not a lot of people know this, but um, I think I started back in the summer of 2019, and I had to teach myself um, the assembly 
and Python actually is the other language I had to teach myself um, to get this going. And so that was, it was kind of, no one really knew about it at that point. And it took me several months and I was poking around on the Discord, talking to people and getting some people's opinions. And I even had a, an early con collaborator whose name was uh, Jake Coper. Too bad he disappeared off the face of the earth. But <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that name around. I've definitely seen that name in the side panel of Discords. But yeah, yeah, he hasn't really talked to me in a long time about it. But he was an early collaborator. Hmm. Um, Quick Tuesday Timp editing note: Aranon told me that the name he meant to say here was Jay Tolmar, not Jay Coper. So that that was early, and I started on. Well, first I started with just the assembly and just getting the doors to work. And I remember pestering Zarbi about like, oh, hey, my enemies aren't showing up when I do this weird thing with the doors. And he's like, well, you're, this is probably wrong. You should look into this. And I'd be like, oh, that's a really insightful answer if I only knew what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, it was a long learning process. And then when I finally started getting a few things to work, I was like, oh, I need a program to actually you know, help generate these and not like... Uh, set up the, the randomization by hand. And so I looked at the intent rando code, which was all written in Python. That's what I took as a base. Um, mm -hmm. I also just stuck in the multi-world right from the start, just because I knew people liked to play that. Um, and I grabbed that code too. And so I really owe a lot to the people who, who worked on those codes before me, <laughs> those code bases. And um, it took me several months to uh, get going and actually model the underworld in um, with all the logic, making sure I had it. And it's and still, even today, I, I, I learn little things about Link to the Past, and I'll have to add it in, uh, about how you can go through the, through the dungeons. And that was kind of by the end of 2019. I think that's about when people started getting wind of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And they gave me my own uh, channel in the Discord, and in the Randomizer Discord. And then I kind of opened it up for people to test and good feedback. I call it like that's when the alpha phase kind of started and it's been going on for at least a year now. Sure. And a lot of people consider it's getting close to beta. I'm not quite sure I'd call it that because I know of a lot of errors that need to be fixed before we can actually open it up to like beta testing and uh, having people you know, really put it through its paces and kill all the bugs. But that's where we're getting. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely available and possible to, you know, play Door Rando today, right? I mean... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when you say beta, you mean uh, maybe you mean like support from the devs and like an announcement on the main Discord? Is that kind of what you mean? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, that would be more like release, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, so yeah, so what is beta to you? Uh, beta to me is when I can tell people you can actually report all the bugs that you're seeing because I've told people like eh, it doesn't always work when you generate a, a seed. Don't bother reporting those. I know about most of those errors. So gotcha. they don't report those. They only report things they think I don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. So I, I've kind of, I have a known issues document that kind of outlines some of the things that, that are problematic right now. And I'm working on fixing those. But it's going to be a while, several months yet, because a lot of this is a hobby project. Sure. So I do this on my free time. Gotcha. Yeah, I guess like maybe one way to word it, uh, I know uh, not to say you're doing door rando the same way, um, you know, Vtorp and the other devs do like, I guess the main item rando, but I know when they do that beta testing phase, it's usually where they think everything is good, but they need more than just their tight knit group 
to play it just in case something crops up that they're not aware of and then they can kind of you know hot fix that really quick before there's like an actual release and they say hey this is definitely good to go uh i mean is that kind of how you're yeah i think that's more like what i'm thinking of i I don't know i might have a little bit longer process just because there are so many changes to the game right exactly absolutely i might want to open it up to a, a wider group it might be right after we get uh, an initial integration with the website and they can put it up on their beta website. Gotcha. That certain people have access to. Yeah. I appreciate the clarification as someone who doesn't really know anything about like software development or whatever all of this is and, and how. Yeah, like, alpha yeah. usually means in-house, but since it's just me, I've kind of said me and my Discord channel. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> that makes sense. Um so uh, for me, at least, my first exposure to uh, any sort of door randomizer was this past 2020 festive advent calendar. And I guess actually thinking about Ganon's Tower in the uh, 2020 Witch's Brew, the, the like October festive, um, that also had elements of door randomizer in the final dungeon. Um, yeah. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? So that was a fun little project. They, they recruited me to for the festive, and they weren't sure if they were going to do a summer one or a, or a Halloween one next. Um, it either had been in the cards, depending on people's work schedules and things. So I actually worked on that dungeon early in 2020, and um, I designed it specifically so it would be easy to randomize. Um, it was originally laid out as a 9 by 9 grid, and it, very simple connections that wouldn't require certain items to get between the rooms. But in the rooms, I put in puzzles that could require items. So that was so a you designed that dungeon. I designed that entire dungeon myself and then put it up for comment for several months before um, we did it. And it's kind of funny when you design your own puzzles that people actually figure out w- different ways to solve them. Um, I think yeah. the there was one right before Ganon, the Ganon drop room, where uh, there was a conveyor belt where you had where I intended for you to hit with the cane of Samaria, but it worked out bombs work too. So I guess it's good that there was multiple solutions. <laughs> yeah, that I, one I played conf- that. That yeah. one confused me a good bit just because I think the way my eyes saw the conveyor belt, it was going to put like I assumed the block or the bomb was going to move away from the crystal switch, so I was like how the heck are you supposed to do this? So I just kind of put a bomb <laughs> at the wall and it just kind of went through and I'm like, all right, cool, that works, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's all the emergent behavior of people solving your puzzles that you never thought they would. Um, there was another room that was like the hookshot room which, where I intended you for to hookshot around, push a block, go back around and hookshot back. Um, but some people figure out a way to kind of not have to backtrack uh, with the hook shot and still got around it. I was really impressed with that. <laughs> yeah. When you're talking about creating a puzzle and seeing other people solve it, that's one of the things that I really love about super Mario maker and that community is watching, you know, or seeing levels that are essentially like puzzles people have put together and then watching other people try to solve them. And sometimes you find what's called cheese where you find an unintended solution and kind of break the puzzle. And I don't know, just that whole process. Uh, this, it just kind of reminds me of that. Um, you know, when you when you try to put together a puzzle, you can never really predict how other people are going to approach it until you give it to them. You know, speaking of that, like alpha and beta, we were just talking about. Yeah. Um, so let's take an opportunity now. Um, if you have anything else to say about the the festives, feel free to. Just one thing on the advent calendar. Um, Go ahead. While they used my code for that, I hardly did any work on that. And big shout outs to the German community for taking what I built and building on top of that. That's awesome. So I thought that was really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. 
Okay, so now you said technical challenges. All right. So in computer science and in math, there's um, a branch of, I don't know what we call it, um, a branch of, of, of the type of math that they do called graph theory. And the entrance randomizer is built on top of this, this graph theory, whereas the website is um, not built on that. But I think that's the big focus of version 32, is switching over the randomizer to, uh, to use a graph. Um, it has a lot of real-world applications, graph theory. They use it for um, the internet, for figuring out the fastest way to get between your computer and the computer you're talking to through all the routers. So graph theory has a lot of real-world uses. Um, so it has a good body of literature and something I learned in college. Um, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's just how you represent something digitally. Um, you usually have these uh, nodes which are kind of like places where whatever you're doing can be, and then edges that lead away from the nodes that go to a new node. And the distance, or at least in the case of the randomizer, the logic of how you get from one node to the next is what's interesting in the graph. So like you could represent like Link's house is a, a node, and going out the door of Link's house is an edge to get you out to the light world. And so that was the first challenge of Dorando was converting the entire underworld into a graph where you split up all the, the dungeons into nodes and ways you transition between those nodes and applying the correct logic to each of those, which I think Herpeter was talking about earlier, like making sure you have the hookshot in this place or the hammer in, in that place and that transition, you need that item. That way um, you can develop an algorithm that crawls, that searches through the graph and says, okay, how do I get from point A to point B? And what are the things that I need along the way? Then it can tell like, oh, well, you need that item to get to that chest, so don't put that item there. So that's, that's uh, one of the biggest programming challenges. And the first one I worked on, the next big programming challenge was the, the key to our shuffle. Um, and still is kind of a challenge. I still haven't got 100% where um, I'm confident that the keys are going to be laid out perfectly. I think that right now the biggest hurdle right now is the multi-entrance dungeons. Occasionally it will assume that you can get through a multi-entrance dungeon like desert a different way than I intended. And so it thinks you, you spent a key where you didn't. So, And that one's about developing an algorithm that says, what's the worst choice possible for you for your keys <laughs> yeah that's yeah. like that's got to be the hardest thing like in all of rando i feel like key logic and having to program it not understand it but program it where you have to think as dumb as possible because i don't know it's just really hard i mean you think i'd be a pro at it but it's really hard to think <laughs> you know that dumb i guess sometimes well, yeah. I mean, and if you know the layout of the dungeon ahead of time, it's really easy to run through your head and um, say, okay, well, if you spend a key here, that would be dumb, so that's the worst thing you could do. Yeah. But if you don't know the layout ahead of time, then you don't have, you have no idea what's the dumb choice, at least when you're playing. And the computer is also like, well, what is a dumb choice? And <laughs> exactly. how do I tell a computer that that's a dumb choice? Um and, and that's actually the problem with the multi-entrance dungeon at the moment. It thinks that the like if there's a door between the main part of desert and the de part of desert that's on the ledge, sometimes it thinks that's a dumb choice um, to open that door first. And sometimes that's a really smart choice because that gets you access to the rest of the dungeon in desert, right? That's mm -hmm. up on the ledge. Right, so, right. 
and one uh, one of the seeds that we had a problem with placed the mirror back in the, the left side of the desert but if you accidentally spent your keys on the on the right on the main part of desert incorrectly you couldn't get over there and since the mirror was over there you couldn't you know use the the warp and mirror over to that point which it kind of assumed that you wouldn't be doing <laughs> <laughs> so that can crop up occasionally it's pretty rare at this point uh, but it does happen, and so that's one of the things uh, that's keeping me back from pushing it out to, to other people. It's just like, yeah, there's occasionally seeds that can't be won. So that's one of the things I'm actually currently working on and trying to, to stamp out. Yeah, it's no surprise to me to hear that that is challenging <laughs> because it seems like it would be the most challenging part. Yep. Um. <laughs> and I have, I have, unfortunately, I cannot help you. I have no help to add to offer whatsoever <laughs> but i am definitely looking forward to playing the the final product <laughs> no and i've actually looked on literature for this um you know l looking on google scholar and the closest was someone who uh developed something for a zelda game but he was more using the idea of how to make a fun game you know how many locks should you be seeing before you find the the, the item that opens up those blocks in your game and yeah. he was just kind of focused on a fun formula trying to think figure out how do I make this game fun rather than how do I make this game work? And yeah, as I've researched it, later Zeldas don't usually, they usually have, the key puzzles are a lot less uh, stringent, meaning usually they give you extra keys or um, they, they ensure that you have enough keys pretty early on in the dungeon. Very interesting. Yeah, this concept of dungeon creation has, has definitely come up in the past. I remember when that... Um, Link's Awakening remake for the Switch came out. Everyone got really excited because there was a dungeon creator mode, I guess, in that. And it ended up being quite underwhelming. Did any of you ever play that, by the way? Yeah, I did. Uh, I thought it was fine for what it was. I think people just expected way more of it than it ever really was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, this you yeah, it's it's also really neat to hear that the other instance of trying to do this was also for Zelda. Yep. So, do you have any other uh, thoughts on on the development of Dorando and other kind of technical challenges that you had to overcome? Um, I think uh, I think that's probably pretty good. I had a couple other notes here, but I don't I don't know if I really, really want to get into them. I will make a shout out to. Um, here for compiling, who did the pot shuffle for Dorando. Um, he made it possible so that pots could be on any pot in the super tile, where, like, uh, and actually have it in logic that way. Oh, wow. So, so, so this cool. is the like big question now, since you brought up pot shuffle. Uh, is it good? <laughs> um, people, Some people have liked it because it actually makes some places relevant that weren't before. Like say the, like in Thieves Town, there's that key that's in the hallway, right? But there's that yeah. room next door that has a bunch of pots in it. Yeah. And in Door Rando, if it happens to be in one of those two pots that, that are across the rail, you have no idea where that thing, that dead end is in the game. So. <laughs> so yeah, that's that one comes to mind. The other one I think for me that comes to mind in like just normal pot shuffle is uh, in Swamp Palace, the first uh, drain switch where you're kind of flooding the hallway, there's that bombable mm -hmm. wall to the right. And I, if I remember correctly, sometimes the key uh, that's on that big super tile can be there um, instead of yep. the hookshot pot, which is like, you know, a big nightmare when that happens. But Yeah, so 
and, and the nice thing about Dorando is it kind of eliminates some of the nastiness of Pot Shuffle. The switch part, I still think, is, is not my favorite, where the <laughs> switches are switched around. Um, but it, at least the keys aren't so bad, because you're probably going to run into that dead end anyway as you explore. So it's not so bad as like, oh, now I have to backtrack and go get it. It's like, oh, look, here's a key here for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Or if key shuffles on, oh, look, there's an item here. This is something I was looking for. And so it's, it makes it a little more happier than the original pot shuffle, because you're doing a bunch of exploration in the dungeon anyway. That's going right. to end you up around there. You just know you have to pick up more pots when you're doing pot shuffle. So it's better. I'm not sure if it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so speaking of playing door rando, let's talk about if someone's hearing all this and they're like, yes, I'm in. I want to try it. I don't care if there's bugs. How, how, do, I, how do I play this uh, door rando? What would you say to them? Okay, so I would tell them to go try out the installer packages that are on my GitHub. Um, I think you guys are going to provide a link to that. And um, if you're on the main GitHub, click on the releases. And then um, there's a section on the releases. And and the current release version right now is 0.2.1. And under there is there's an assets. And there's uh, an installer package for Windows, for Linux, and for Mac OS. And so you should try one of those out first, because that's the easy way to do it. If that works for you, I know the Windows one doesn't always work on every Windows system. Um, and um, Mike Truerthy, who has been helping me out with these installer packages, has been really trying out to give that Windows one working everywhere. But it doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. But if that works for you, that's the best way to do it, to get it. It's the easiest way. You just run the installer package, and um, then you click on the executable, and it launches for you. I also have, um, I kind of, I kind of maintain two different branches. I have a stable branch that's called DoorDev, and I have um, another one that's called DoorDev Unstable. That one I don't do as much testing on when I commit. It's just to get things out. But that one you'll have to um, know a little bit about how GitHub works to get the code. And you'll also have to install Python and be able to set up Python on your machine properly so that when you click on the GUI, it'll actually use the Python that you installed, or you have to know a little bit of command line to get it launched. Um, okay, and that was if you want the latest and greatest. I just did a release uh, a couple weeks ago, so there's not really a whole lot on Unstable. In fact, it might be a little bit broken from all reports right now. But when I do add new features, I'll add them there first because it does tend to break things, and um, then I'll I'll refine that as I go. And then after a few months, then I'll I'll, I'll push it all out to the the stable releases tab. And right now, the the stable release is the recommended one because. Um, that's it's got all the features that we've been talking about today. Perfect. All right, and now let's say someone is they finally you know got everything installed and they're playing Dorando. Uh, I thought it could be good to go over just some like you know like we were talking about earlier some of those common pitfalls that people might not quite be ready for because they're not used to playing these dungeons in this order. Yeah, so there are a few things that are in logic that people may not expect. Um, the, the, probably the most controversial one is in Pod Arena. And that is, um, right now, it is in logic to use the boots to bonk across the gap from um, between the, the two blue crystals, crystal block area to the chest that's below it. So a lot of people use that as speed tech. And I kind of added that in logic to the game, saying if you've got the boots, that's in logic down there to grab that chest and whatever is beyond that door down there, which could be the boss of the dungeon. So you may be required 
to uh, to do that, to bonk across yeah. there. Um, just to note that if you don't have the boots, there is a bomb jump that you can learn as well to get there from. Oh, great. Another bomb jump to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want a sequence break and maybe get a hint about your boots, it, that's available too. I didn't even know that existed. So, huh. but all this little tech comes out. Apparently there's a bomb jump on Moldorm so that you can go backwards too. Oh, cool. <laughs> Moldorm too. Anyway, that's not, none of these bomb jumps are required. They're just nice. Yeah, that's a perfect example of somewhere, like, the very end of the game. Like, why would you ever go the other direction? But Dorando, that could just be another hallway in your desert palace, you know? So yeah. that's, that's like, I think it really gets to the, the fun of Dorando is, like, having to think about the game in different ways, even more different ways than we're used to. Yeah. And yeah, Moldorm Tomb, since we're talking about that, sometimes you need to fall down the pit at Moldorm to progress in your dungeon. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so. Finally, yeah. a change for me. <laughs> it's actually kind of nice when that. that pit actually leads normal vanilla, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think generally from all of the uh, calendar, um, you know, those 26 days of dungeons, uh, the main thing that, that tripped me up the most often was not knowing that a door even existed or that a crack in the wall was actually a... Uh, a, an entrance way to go to more of the dungeon. Yeah, you never um, knew so about those things before. Something. So, yeah, yeah, those those got me a and lot. That's actually one of the reasons I like the key doors and the crack randomization a little bit because then that, that indicates to you, oh, that's visually different. <laughs> yeah, totally. That was helpful. And falling so down that, pits, I that's think something was, I should check out. Yeah, the 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 number one, um, you know, time loss. I guess if you wanted to say for me, of just like wandering around, going, okay, I have no idea what to do now. It was usually a pit I needed to fall down that I hadn't considered. Yeah, and and the the big pits that I want to bring out here are the ones in um, the second set of Meyer torches. So they don't look like pits that you can normally fall down, but when you're lighting those four torches that are split up, um, there's two pits in the first room and two pits in the second room. So the two pits in the first room are the more important ones because they lead to two extra doors. Yeah, uh, a stairway and a north door, and then the, the you can skip the chest if you don't have fire by falling in the pits in the second room and continue on that way as well. So only the chest is really fire locked. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you may not think about is if you find the wooden bridges in mire, and you're on the left one, you can hookshot across the gap to the chest. I think they use that mm. in the calendar pretty extensively, actually. <laughs> Definitely, uh, it was either day twenty five or day twenty six, which were both the like big Ganon's Tower ones uh -huh. that had like 20 you know 25 to 30 items in them each one of them started out with that as like the second room i remember because i spent a lot of time in it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that, that that's a good one to know because you you can hook the hookshot can lock a lot of a dungeon if you don't um have it to get across that gap mm -hmm. i've seen dungeons that start out pretty much that way that's like oh you should hookshot across this this gap to do the rest of yeah. the dungeon um, if you're doing cross dungeon, another thing you should know a lot about is the Thieves Town attic. Like, um, if you're not shuffling bosses, then you have to um, find the Thieves Town attic to blow open the hole to get blind to spawn. But in cross dungeon, you have no idea where the Thieves Town attic is. It's not in Thieves Town necessarily. It could be in any dungeon. So you may have to search around before you can kill blind. Does that requirement still is that still in place though? You still have to bomb that before blind will spawn. Yep, that's right now. I haven't gotten a lot of complaints about it. That's something we could change if people didn't want to do that. But so far, people kind of like that aspect. Um, to alleviate that, there's always a hint 
if you have hints on uh, about where cool. which dungeon the Thieves Town attic is in. So so just to be clear, you you could go to uh, let's say desert again, and the Thieves Town attic could be there, and you bomb it, and then you go across the world to I don't know Turtle Rock, and then that lets you do blind there. Well, to, uh, blind will always be in in Thieves Town. Okay. Okay. So you okay. know at least you can't complete Thieves Town until you find the attic. Okay, so that helps a little bit. Yeah. But so the man, bosses are always cool, in their own dungeon right now. Yeah. Unless you're <laughs> using Enemizer, then who knows? But the boss room itself is always in that dungeon. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a nice uh, added element. Another kind of like logical requirement to to beating the game to add. Yeah, that's that's that, that helps a lot. Saying, "Oh, can I beat the boss at least when I go in this dungeon?" <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It one of the side effects I didn't like about it is uh, Armos is much more in logic without the bow now. Mm. So you uh, you gotta get used to doing Armos in different ways without the bow because it's not hard required. That makes sense. Yeah, as as we've uh, learned in the past, you can damage Armos with nearly anything. You just really want to be using the bow. Yeah, you want to find the bow, but <laughs> yeah. you know you might not get that chance. Yeah. Uh, the other thing to really watch out for when you're playing Dorando are, are crystal switches. Um, this that yeah. was another programming challenge. Actually, was the the crystal switches, and I'll shout out to Compiling again because he helped me with that algorithm, the backtracking algorithm, where you go and hit a switch, and now you can progress more in the dungeon across some sort of crystal barrier somewhere else in the dungeon. So you want to kind of pay attention to crystal switches, even ones that you probably didn't even really think of. You just kind of went through the room, you hit the switch a couple times to get through it, and then left. Totally. But there's a lot of opportunities where you can hit the, or leave the room in a different state of the crystal switch. Um, yeah, that was probably the number two uh, like time loss for me. First that was not knowing where certain doors are, and second was uh, forgetting like where crystal switches were or to try them in different states. But that felt very like Zelda to me. Like I, I, I really appreciated yeah. that that that's mixed into everything. Yeah, that that was kind of one of the things that I really liked about Dorando that emerged was the crystal switch puzzles that that emerged from Dorando. Occasionally, you'll get a dungeon that needs it both in um, both states. A lot of dungeons, you know, one state will do you, but yeah. Um, usually my, my habit now is to put it in the blue state so that the blues are down because more there's more transitions that need them down that way. Um, Good to know. <laughs> and there's only a couple that are orange needed. Uh, I have a quick question about crystal switches. Hmm? Um, if you have crossed uh, on and uh, let's say, I don't know, whatever dungeon mire, and uh, you're in Meyer, and you have a couple of Meyer rooms in there, but you also have a couple of rooms from another dungeon in there. Do crystal switches only affect the Maya rooms, or do they affect every room in that dungeon? It affects every room in that dungeon. Okay. That's how the game's coded. So once you hit a switch, no matter what dungeon it's in, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and the keys are the same way, so it's really nice. So if you find a key in no matter what dungeon you're in, it's going to be yeah. for that dungeon. Okay. If, if your keys are set up that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't think about that with the with the keys. For keys, I just assumed it worked that way. But for crystal switches, I thought, especially after we were talking about the TT attic, I guess I got that thought into my head. Yeah, that's kind of the exception. That's mm -hmm. why I brought it out because that's the that's the only thing I know of that affects another dungeon, most likely. Oh, I wonder if that will be an interesting thing, but it will probably be awful to code logic wise to make it only <laughs> affect the dungeon rooms from the actual dungeon that you're in. Yeah, the way the game's coded, it made it easier to. Yeah. Not do it that way. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Like with that, this is making my brain churn a little bit. Uh, you know, like people. You know, you you mentioned the EG map, and that's what we're working with here. But 
uh, I, I guess that that kind of means, and correct me if I'm wrong. So if you know, I do some you know glitch shenanigans. If I flip a switch in one dungeon, it's going to be the same. If I were to glitch over to another dungeon in like a no logic or something, is that kind of? I, I assume so. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so yeah, I don't I don't know all the, and <laughs> I'm not very good with the those complicated glitches, and I've heard that Dorando kind of messes with the the cane, the door glitches anyway. Ah, uh, okay. Um, mm. But other EG type out of bounds glitches probably work well because I I've usually narrowed the scope of the doors to the actual physical door. So if you're on those pixels, then it will trigger, and if you're not on those pixels, then it won't. So if you can get out into the walls, a lot of the no logic stuff probably works great. But yeah, if you hit a crystal switch in one dungeon and then transfer dungeons, I don't think it resets. I think that's something that happens when you enter and exit a dungeon. Gotcha. Hmm. Uh, another thing that's nice to know about Dorando is the fire rod is never required for dark room, so that part of advanced logic isn't available. Mm. So it's always uh, the the logic always assumes that you have a lamp to get through a dark room. Yep, gotcha. Always assumes that you have okay. a lamp. That's just because you know you don't know what dark room you're in <laughs> when you first yeah. get in one. <laughs> Such a good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> And then we kind of started talking about dungeon sequence breaks. Um, Most of them are safe, um, sequence break-wise. Like the, I talked about the bomb jump backwards at Moldhorn 2. I require that that connection to be in the same dungeon because you can get from the upper ledge to the lower ledge. So going backwards doesn't really hurt you at all. Um, There were three unsafe um, dungeon sequence breaks. And there's a setting for this in the generator if you want to manipulate it a little bit. Uh, the default is um, I actually replace some of the rails with thicker rails. Um, this is like the hammer jump in pod. Yeah. And in Meyer too, I think. Uh, yeah, in Meyer, the there's, yeah. there's that big key chest, and you, I think you can get across the rails there. But since those two parts can actually be in different dungeons, um, unless you know what you're doing with those kind of glitches, it's not recommended. So the default is to put a thicker rail there for those bomb jumps or those hovers or whatever they are don't work anymore mm-hmm. that will kind of i would recommend most people to play with that setting on to let you kind of signal to you like don't don't use that transition until you're well aware of that and then you can switch over if you want to uh where it allows you to do those glitches if you want to if you're that kind of player i wonder how many people have either secretly or not so secretly wished for those changes to also go to the normal randomizer <laughs> no, don't give those ideas <laughs> yeah, I know. There's only there's only three little places. That feels like another philosophical question of like how much you can change the game just to get around the meta or whatever. Uh, it was more day, a I comment suppose. on people really not liking hovering or certain bomb jumps and would rather not have them allowed. Right, right. Hey, it's part of it. It's part of the combo. Mm-hmm. Um. Anything else to to keep in mind while playing through a door rando? Things that might get people. I'm um, off the top of my head. Yeah. I So I noticed, and maybe I just wasn't uh, thinking of the right things or going to the right places, but there were times where I would go through a tile and a door would close behind me and essentially soft lock me in in that way to where I would have to mirror. Is, is that sort of different than what you're talking about? And that it, it, hence why you introduced that mirror item? Yeah, exactly. So I didn't, all the trap doors are vanilla right now. So, oh, there is one that's not, isn't there? Um, 
sometimes in the pinball room in Skullwoods, there's a trap door that sometimes I actually unlock for you so oh. that you can get out of there. Um, oh, okay. That was a requirement for basic. Skullwoods really wasn't shuffleable very well in basic yeah. without that change. Because sometimes the pinball room would get into on your path from the right side of Skullwoods to the left side of Skullwoods, you know. And so I just had to open that door to make sure that we could actually put pinball room there sometimes and make it all work out. Otherwise, it was failing way too often. Um, so if you see pinball, so pinball room is is the one exception that if it's on your path from one side of Skullwoods to the other, then it might be open that trap door. But all the rest of the trap doors are vanilla. Um, there's one case I think in Animizer where it doesn't realize there's a kill room, and I think there's one more that I need to do. So Animizer is still kind of yeah, it's an Aga Tower. There's a kill room where you have to kill all the guards to get through a, a trap door. And Enemizer doesn't know that, so sometimes we'll put an unkillable enemy in that room. Hmm. So I, yeah. took, I got rid of that trap door there. And then in Ice Palace, the second room with the, the jelly key, right now I need to add that, um, that same thing there. So I get rid of that trap door if Enemizer's on. Because right now it can place an unkillable enemy in the jelly room, and then you're... You can't open that door and go backwards. That would be neat. <laughs> <laughs> there's um, been a couple other little things with Enemizer that, um, so that one's, you know, it's a little bit of play at your own risk. But Enemizer's kind of always been that way. Um, so to finish out our conversation here, uh, we asked some of our subscribers on Twitch to ask some questions, and we got a couple of questions asking about the future of Dorando. So Arusta asked, what is one feature of Dorando that you would still like to add or expand on? And then Voids01 had a similar question, what is your proverbial white whale feature or aspect of Dorando that you would like to be able to implement? Oh, okay. Um my white whale feature. Yeah. Uh, so shuffling pits and warps, that's something I've thought about, and I just don't know how fun it's going to be. Um, I have seen what happens with the one-way transitions in Dorando and how they're a little unfun. So having the pits and warps um, take you to a different place, or even shuffling them together, like so maybe a pit takes you to a, a warp tile or vice versa where a warp tile would take you to where a pit would fall. Like, that could be interesting. And um, I might try it out just to see how, how fun it is, but it may not be a good feature. Kind of like, have I taken the randomization too far? Um, <laughs> the uh, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. Another one people have talked about is actually doing the, the doors that are on the tile. Mm. Um, so when we were talking before about the limitation of super tiles, you take all the rooms that are on them, you're saying splitting those up and saying, no, every single room is in play. Yeah, every single room is in play. So now you, now you have to deal with certain trap rooms that you never had dealt with before. And um, again, is that too much randomization? Will it be fun? <laughs> you know there are people who will play it. Yeah, there'll be people who will enjoy it. Um, the question is, will it, is, is it kind of worth the time? So. Sure. For the future door rando, I've kind of set aside some of these these big ideas because I'm really wanting to get it to a stable state, and solving the the last bits of the the key logic and the placement stuff that are still outstanding, and um, so I can actually get it out to the general public via the website. And I've talked to the main rando devs, and they're all behind it, 
um, integrating it once it's stable. So I'm kind of hoping I get enough time this year to get get it to that point, and maybe we'll see Dorando on the website sometime uh, this year or early next. It's kind of hopefully the timeline that I'm looking at. Wow, that would be awesome. Um, um, it probably won't have a lot of new features between now and then. Um, though I keep teasing my Discord that there is a unspecified feature that I've been working on. It's not quite ready yet, but I think I'm going to get it in for version one. Okay, and you're you're keeping that secret for now. It sounds. Like. I am keeping that secret All for right. now. So, <laughs> and it's not the ones I just talked about. Okay, <laughs> I don't think. Um, you and the other one that uh, might get into version one is uh, right now. All the big key doors are vanilla, and if I figure out the key stuff well enough, I might start shuffling those as well. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think you understand quite how much Temp wants to know that now, uh, since you <laughs> teased it and didn't give any hint or inclination as to what it was. Like that's going to be—I think that's going to be on Temp's mind for a good bit. I love scoops. What can I say? <laughs> I love a good scoop. Oh well, I can be patient too, though. Um, well, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, talking to us about Door Rando. It's such a fascinating concept, not just the coding, which is certainly fascinating, but also just the logic that it creates and the story behind how it all came together. Um, thank you so much for sharing. We are going to uh, wrap things up here, and we actually have a couple of questions, uh, some more questions from our subscribers. Do you want to stick around for those? Yeah, sure. All right, let's go. All right, so subscriber questions. We have a couple here. Um, the first one is from Krellbell, and they ask, what's your favorite story you've ever heard of a door rando situation that seemed impossible at first, but actually had a really clever solution? Um, uh, there have been lots of good stories on the Discord when people have reported supposed logic bugs. Um, generally, uh, there's uh, the ones involving crystal switches. So... Sometimes you have to traverse a long, long way to find a crystal switch. So mm. I, I'm trying to remember this one. I can't remember the exact situation, but I remember the person had to go through quite a few hoops to get to the crystal switch, hit it, go all the way back to get across it, and, and get through the dungeon. Um, so yeah, there are also um, very clever solutions um, that people have come up with that aren't intended, like... Um, the pot arena where you're on the bridge and you need to hit that crystal switch and go backwards, but you don't have a ranged weapon. Someone was, I remember someone in the discord coming up and saying, Oh, you can just, you know, hit the switch normally and then fall off and you'll be taken back to that door. So that's, uh, I remember uh, Vtorp when he was on the show, uh, told a story of like the very early stages of randomizer where he, uh, killed Aga and then went to go collect his boots off of the lumberjack cave and was like, oh, wait a second. This is impossible. I, I have to rethink this. <laughs> Did you have any moments like that where you were, were like, during play, you were like, uh-oh, that would have been bad if I had released that? Oh, yeah. I had lots of those early on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the earliest one was the, the key door split. Like, oh, I opened this door, and that's what gets me through that door on a different part of the dungeon. That's kind of terrible. <laughs> <laughs> And I was glad that no one really knew about Torrando at that point because I was just like, yeah, well, that's, that's a big project. I've got to fix that before we even show this to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love stories like that. Um, we have another question here from Oro, and they asked, did you have a background in game design prior to Door Randomizer? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, when I was in school, I studied computer science, and... Uh, 
one of the things I was interested in was game theory and AI. And um, so that kind of did de delve me a bit into uh, game design a little bit as well, because I was interested in um, how people would create AIs to actually play games well and learn to do that. And so I have dabbled a little bit in game design. Um, I, I could even give people recommendations if they're interested in how to do some good game design uh, things to read. And so I, I did design some of Dorando, but um, things like making the map and compass have extra uses, that was kind of driven by like a game design thought, like it would be really cool if these things had more uses. Um, yeah. That's, that was kind of a game design thought. Um, and I, I like that the the devs, the main rando devs, have shared some of their game design philosophy, and I've tried to kept to it. Where um, I try to keep it more like let's when we randomize things, let's try to use things that are in the game. Like even the mirror scroll was something that's actually in the game that just got got cut. We don't know if the devs intended for that to be like a letter to the old man or something oh. to get the mirror, but that's just something they decided to cut and left in. And then I just modified it slightly so it only worked in dungeons. So that was something cool that I was like, yeah, let's just try to use things that are in the game that maybe you didn't know about. That is cool. That's really cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, I guess let's go ahead and wrap the show up. Uh, as always, you can email us, email at gomodepodcast.com. We're on Twitter at gomodepodcast. Um, and you can join our Discord, uh, especially if you have questions um, for Aranon after this episode. Um, if you run into our Discord and ask him there, there's a good chance he might be able to answer them for you. Um, Aranon, uh, do you have anything you would like to plug? Maybe like your Twitch or any social media, anything, you know, personal projects you're working on? Uh, no, not really. Nothing personal. I mean, if you're interested in Door Rando, there's the channel on the main, uh, main Rando Discord. That's kind of my area, which is the Door Rando, the Door Rando, uh, area. And, um, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Um, I can be found streaming occasionally twitch.tv slash temp underscore also occasionally writing music. Uh, Dante is at twitch.tv slash D A A A N T Y. <laughs> Herfy is at twitch.tv slash Herfy Durfy. Herfy playing his uh, first seed in quite a while the other day, but didn't, didn't, <laughs> actually didn't stream it. So never mind. This isn't really the right time to bring it up. It is true though. I did stream it. I just sat down, didn't even have a timer running, but I thought, hey, why not play like a boring open 7 7 defeat Ganon seed? And I did. And it was Proudy. all right. Awesome. You had a good time too. It was like 131, something like that. Oh, yeah. It worked out really well. It was like 131 in game time. As I said, I didn't really have a timer running. I didn't record anything. Uh, figures, you know, the one time I play a seed <laughs> and it actually goes well, I don't have any proof of it. Yeah. In case anybody was wondering if Herfy's good or not, that should answer that question. I'm only as good as the seed is. <laughs> um, you can, if you enjoy the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. We really appreciate uh, that feedback. Um, we have a donation link if you're feeling particularly generous as well. Um, and I think that's going to do it. Again, a huge thank you to our guest, Aranon. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and uh, when when uh, we have the release of Dorando we'd love to have you back on uh, to, to commemorate the uh, the occasion alright sounds good it's been a pleasure alright and uh, on behalf of my co-hosts uh, this is Tim and let's go ahead and mirror out mirror out